What's up, Dynasty Command Center Nation? This is Curtis Patrick. It's the Dynasty Commander. I'm here to tell you about Bet Online. They're our great friends and exclusive business partner. You got to take advantage of the best online betting bonus in the business. Uh, check out betonline.ag, sign up for a free account, and make sure to use our promo code. It's Blue Wire, all one word, Blue Wire. You're going to get a 50% sign up bonus. I know the sports world's kind of coming to a pause right now, but I've got good news. UFC Commissioner Dana White recently shared that UFC is going to continue with their schedule. He consulted with President Trump and Vice President Pence. Uh, they they had some of these conversations, different scenario planning. They're going to continue with their season. They're like the only mega sport, major sport that's doing that right now. So I think there's going to be more UFC and MMA money in play than ever in the sports betting world. Because what else are you going to bet on? So sign up for Bet Online today. It's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, and grab that bonus. Okay, this is Curtis Patrick. We're jumping into episode 46 of the Dynasty Command Center podcast, best dynasty podcast in the business. Travis May is here with me today. We're going to talk about some controversial rookies. Travis, who do you want to get into first today? Definitely one of, I think one of the most controversial players is, it has to be Henry Ruggs, right? I mean, there's people that want to get all upset about his, you know, just the hype around him getting draft capital at all versus him having, you know, the, the basically the third best season on Alabama <laughs> out of all the wide receivers there this year and uh, his production profile never breaking out or whatever you know there's different narratives surrounding rugs and, and and what where he should go in rookie drafts what his profile looks like uh, will he hit it all is there any precedent for him uh so i definitely wanted to just get your take really really fast i, I actually did a piece uh this spring already on him uh, where are you with henry rugs so henry rugs i think I think what's going to happen is everyone's going to be right about him. So, the, so everybody, yes, and and here's the way that that will happen. So, um, you know, draft Twitter and you know um, NFL scouts seem to love Rugs, seem to love his speed, seem to love what he can add to NFL offenses. That's what's going to drive his NFL draft capital into probably the mid uh, to mid late first round um, at the NFL draft, and it's because of his ability to take the top off of the defense and open up everything uh, underneath. And I think he's gonna be able to do that. His speed alone will enable him to do that. Um, but we also don't really have examples of players with his profile becoming volume players in the NFL and volume players are what we want in fantasy. They're what we want in dynasty. And so I think he can hit in terms of being valuable to an NFL offense. But I think all the people who are, you know, kind of waving the caution flag on Henry Ruggs, including myself and you, uh, for fantasy and dynasty purposes are also probably correct. You know, why would we draft Henry Ruggs among the elite wide receivers if he reasonably projects to an 85 to 90 target role uh, with a low completion percentage because of the difficulty of the targets he's going to get? That doesn't make any sense to me. I think he's going to be overdrafted by the community at large. I think he belongs in the early to potentially even mid-second round of dynasty drafts. Uh, as a result of that, that's where I've got him ranked kind of in that 12 to 15 range, 12 to 18 range, potentially 
uh, depending on team need and, and, and league dynamic. So, so that's really where I'm at. You know, I, I would love for you to maybe state to the listeners what you've got on him in terms of his, uh, his adjusted production and index context. Sure. Cause I, cause I think it's, it's, it's really the biggest caution flag that we can wave for everyone, yeah. uh, is, is that stat. Yeah, absolutely. So the adjusted production index takes a look at a player's, uh, uh, dominator rating, their yards per team pass attempt, and touchdowns per team pass attempt, and uh, kind of lumps those together into a collective model. And then when you really mix that in with draft capital, you can really begin to understand uh, where a player's success rate might might go. He's about the 30th percentile, though, which is in, in the really dangerous range of not, it not making any sense that he's going to hit at the next level. Yes, there have been exceptions, uh, to that there even in fact there was you know a couple last year that found some success um, in, in the right spot uh, and didn't have perfect adjustment production index profiles but Hen- Henry Ruggs really does not check any of the boxes that you want to see I mean you know <laughs> really capping out at like uh, you know a 20th percent dominator and and not even having like a 40th percentile on yards per team pass attempt numbers and and we found recent research has really found that yards per team pass attempt is stickier than than dominator even. And so for him to really be below average just across hold, the board, it's hold, hold on. discouraging. I, I, I want to make sure that the, the listeners don't lose that point. I want you to say what you just said about adjusted yards per team pass attempt again. Yeah. So, I mean, that there's been evidence that shows that that has actually been more meaningful in, in predicting future NFL production than dominator by itself. So... There probably needs to be more work done on that. I think at this point, everyone has ta- talked about and over talked about the uh, the importance of Dominator, but there hasn't been enough people that really have tackled just yards per team pass attempt and how that translates. But um, if, if a player like him who has some crazy yards per uh, target numbers and efficiency or whatever you want to, there's different narratives surrounding him. If, if a player like him still can't have good adjusted yards per team pass attempt numbers uh, in college on his own team, it's it's really hard to predict uh, that he's going to have success at the next level. Just, I mean, just looking at the math. So I'm not trying to say that he can't run routes. I'm not trying to say that he doesn't have elite speed. Uh, it's just, I'm not sure that the, the volume role, like you said, that would be sustainable at the next level to uh, be a high caliber fantasy starter uh, is there. And, and and that's okay. He can be a role player for you. He can be a boom bust best ball weapon, but um, I'm, I'm just not sure that we're going to get a really trustworthy asset. So for me, he is in that 12 to 15 range as well. Uh, I think most leagues he's going to sneak into the first round of rookie drafts uh, in terms of one QB leagues, but uh, definitely a player that has some holes and the profile, and it's going to continue to be pretty controversial as we approach the draft. Yeah, I, that's that's all super on point. Adjusted production index, obviously, one of the main things that we like to look at at Rotoviz now. Now that we come to appreciate um, how it can be applied and how meaningful it's been in a prospect eval, but I want to take it a step farther. I mean, really looking into Ruggs's profile. Now I'm using the Rotoviz prospect box score scout. Sure. The Rotoviz prospect box score scout includes um, different elements of production, and it also now has all the combine info uh, that's on record for these guys. Um, we can adjust. We can actually adjust for draft pick here too. So I'm gonna I'm gonna even give us the best case scenario for Hen- Henry Ruggs here. I'm gonna give him a, a sign him a draft pick of 15. That's about as high as I've seen anyone 
mock him among the major NFL uh, mock drafters. 15 would be a best case scenario for Henry Ruggs. And his, his comp list, his sim list is just littered with all the worst draft picks ever um, in fantasy <laughs> or dynasty. I mean, Henry Ruggs' profile, when you look at his peer group, he looks like an absolute flop. I need people to understand this and look at their rankings and ask themselves, do I have Henry Ruggs ranked too high? I'm going to just run down this list. I mean, it, it's bad, Travis. You, it's bad. So Curtis Samuels is number one comp, followed by Paris Campbell, Philip Dorsett, Dante Pettis, John Ross, Justin Hunter, Tavon Austin, Marquise Goodwin, Nelson Aguilar. Mm. Those are his top <laughs> Those are his top comps. Those are yeah. the top nine. I went nine deep. I was looking for anything for you guys. Looking so, for anything. I went nine deep. Samuel there's nothing. Gonna... <laughs> no, there's there's nothing there. Okay, we've seen flashes from Curtis yeah. Samuel. I'm not throwing in the towel there. I'm not even throwing in the towel on John Ross because he looked great before the injury derailed him at the beginning of last season. But even if we get both of those guys hits, we got two out of nine who are like what? Like low-level hits, low-level success stories. Henry Ruggs yeah. is a screaming fade in the first round of your dynasty rookie drafts. I mean, that, that is the takeaway that I need people to understand. Like, it doesn't mean that you think he's a bad player. doesn't mean that you think that he doesn't have some talent or that he will be valuable to an NFL offense. It doesn't even mean that he's not deserving of a first round draft pick. If he's really going to change the, the uh, complexity of an NFL offense. But what it means is there are no examples since the year 2000 of a player with this type of profile becoming valuable in dynasty. That's, that's all there is to say about Henry Ruggs. I can't, I can't state it any stronger. Yeah. That's pretty simple. I mean, that's, that's uh pretty black and white. So, all right, let's talk about somebody that matters. Let's, let's talk, talk about somebody that matters for dynasty leaguers. Ouch. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, I guess the guy that matters and has definitely mattered uh, to many uh, since the combine uh, Denzel Mims, we kind of talked about him a little bit uh, right after the combine, but man, the hype train has been rolling for the past few weeks. People just uh, talking about him as potentially now being a, a first round NFL draft pick uh, in, in that conversation now, given his uh, elite performance uh, at the combine. And I, yeah, I'd love to take a similar look um, at his production profile, just looking at the box score scout, just to see what his, his Sims are. I haven't looked as as closely at his Sims as I have some of the other top end, you know, well, uh, wide receivers in this class. I did put together his adjusted production index and have been keeping that together uh, with a bunch of other wide receivers for my Debbie work. But uh, I'd be interested to see what his his most uh, common or best comps are right now. If we let, let's just say I don't, I don't know, let's just ideally, you know, it maybe he sneaks into the back around one. What happens if we give him a draft pick of Pick 30 or something like that. Okay, I'm going to do it. Let's just do it live on the air. We did not prep for this. No. Um, this is going to be this can be raw. Um, <laughs> pick pick 30 is probably going to give us a pretty mixed bag here. Uh, and then we'll come back and let's take a look at his, his API. We'll do it in the reverse order uh, that we sure. did for Henry Ruggs. So if I give pick 30, and I'm going to exclude non-Power 5 conference players. That's something you can toggle on and off in the road of his prospect box score scout. So basically what we're doing is we're adjusting for level of competition. We're not going to include any players in this evaluation who weren't playing against power five defenses for the majority of their games. So here we go. Denzel Mims, top comps, 
in the prospect box score scout with a draft pick of 30 next month. Leonard Hankerson, Brian Robisky, Devin Smith. And we get Debo Samuel. That's great. Uh, Devere Posey, Michael Floyd. Michael Floyd was a great prospect. Yeah, Michael Floyd yeah. flopped in something. the NFL. <laughs> uh, you can argue that some of that was situational. You can argue that some of that maybe was drive or mental makeup. Michael Floyd was a great prospect. There's a reason he was a post, 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 post-type sleeper for people for year after year after year. Kendall Wright, Torrey Smith, Christian Kirk, Sterling Shepard, James Washington, Justin Hunter, Chris Godwin. So we've got we've got some players in here with a little bit of upside uh, in stark contrast to Henry Ruggs. Still not a great group, but we've got about a 30% hit rate there. Yeah. If we want to call uh, Chris Godwin, obviously the smash hit. I'm, I'm, I feel comfortable calling Debo Samuel a hit. You know, we almost had 200 PPR as a rookie. And then we've got, you know, out of the Christian Kirk, Sterling Shepard, James Washington cohort, I think at least one of those other guys has a future as a top 24 wide receiver. So I feel comfortable yeah. saying we've got about a 30% hit rate on Mims profile per the box score scout. What do you got on API? So he's got about a 70th percentile adjusted production. In, in 70th percentile? Yes. 70th about. percentile. That That is your threshold, correct? Well, I really want to see 60th percentile. Uh, once you get below that, it, it's kind of a, a mess, um, especially if you get below 30th percentile. It's, it's just you might as well not even look at it. But, yeah, 70th percentile is solid. So he is definitely in the range uh, where if you get – you know, basically day one, day two draft capital, especially like top 50 draft capital. We're looking at a pretty good situation. So if he sneaks into the top 50 somehow, that that's looking pretty good. But I mean, even uh, one name I didn't hear you say was actually Kenny Britt. I know he actually kind of hit uh, kind of <laughs> back in the, in the day, but that's he's actually almost spot on in terms of his uh, percentile of adjusted production index. And if you look at like last year's class, the guys that got some capital, uh, in the same range, you're looking at uh, A.J. Brown uh, and Nikhil Harry and Marquise Hollywood Brown. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Okay. So, looking at a bunch of players that, that well, have we decent got, profiles. Well, yeah. We, and, and, yeah. So, we haven't given up on on Hollywood or Nikhil Harry. But if you if you want to look at it, you know, that's basically a trio of players that we got a little bit of everything from. Yeah. A.J. Brown was a mega hit. Uh, Hollywood was great when healthy. Uh, did did pop, uh, just didn't get the volume consistently all year. Yeah. And then obviously Nikhil Harry was basically a worst-case scenario. Um, injury and, and all that. Yeah, and, and so yeah. Denzel Mims, I think, you know, the way to look at it, this is a player certainly who we can see upside in this profile that we don't see with Henry Ruggs. There are some clear hits in his sims. However, there's a wide range of outcomes. You know, Absolutely. we definitely have some, definitely have some misses. And so that's why as much as Denzel Mims is flying up the board, as much as we like the athleticism, you can't put him, you cannot put Denzel Mims up in that CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Rager, Jerry Judy type no. range. He's a step below. I don't think you can even put him above Justin Jefferson at this point. Um, that, but, but he's, he's at that next level below there where we've got the upside, but we still see you know a very clear path uh path for misses as well yep absolutely uh, but so I, i'm not saying don't get excited i'm just i'm just saying don't put denzel mims as your wide receiver one in this class because he had, had a good combine and you just started watching him for the first time so <laughs> there, there's a lot to get excited about with him uh but he's just not necessarily in that top tier um for sure but you, you kind of want to pivot over to some running backs and kind of look at uh, at least one 
guy there. Yeah, we got we've got to spend more time talking about AJ Dillon. Travis, we hit on him in our uh, Combine All Stars uh, episode last week. Uh, just kind of mentioned him in passing, talked about some of the similarities in his athleticism pro- profile to Derrick Henry. Uh, basically, I think I said something along the lines of athletically, AJ Dillon is a more compact, burstier version of Derrick Henry. And that got us excited. Yeah. Now we're going to look a little bit more at his receiving profile. And I want to I want to make some statements as to why AJ Dillon is still a target like in a PPR setting and not just in a standard setting. Sure. So so let, yeah. let's hit the prospect box score scout again. Why don't you give me. Do we think do we think AJ Dillon's a day two lock at this point, like a, a third round lock, or are we still not sure? Man, I, it's kind of hard because I think leading up to it, a lot of the the real draft analysts that were writing things up uh, didn't have him in that conversation. He was mostly you know fifth round, sixth round, maybe early fourth round or something like that. It was not looking promising, and for me, that was kind of why. Uh, I was a little bit hesitant to crown him king and put him in the first round conversation automatically just because uh, if he misses on capital, then you know, there's some concerns about him early, earning an early role. But it looks now, you know, when you basically just have a, have a ridiculous size speed score and answer a lot of questions about your athleticism at, at the combine that anyone could have, uh, I think he's probably going to be one that really sneaks into the back end of, of, of day two. So. I'm confident in that now. So if we want to project him as a top 100 pick, I think his profile is a lot better. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not really – I'm basically counting – with ranking now, I'm counting him as a day two pick. Okay, so if we're going to do that, let's put him at the very end of day two just just to be as conservative as we can. So uh, how's like pick 100 sound? Yeah, that that will – Basically sneak him in by just a few picks, probably. So, okay, so so it's like a it's like a trade up into the back of the third. Uh, somebody coming up to get AJ Dillon here, which would really be exciting if they traded up to get him. Um, so let's let's hit his top eleven um, again. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually do this first, excluding non Power Five conference players. But then we're gonna bring him back in and see if we get any extra names. I really love this toggle on toggle off functionality. Mike Beers did this for me. Uh, when when we kind of retooled this uh, this app last spring, and, and, and it's really powerful. So AJ Dillon's closest sims using a draft pick 100, adjusting for his athleticism, adjusting for things like career rushing yards per game, career receptions per game, final season rushing yards, uh, and and some other important metrics for running backs. Sean Green is his closest comp, followed by Deontay Foreman, Samaje Pirine. Then we get Derrick Henry. Then we get Derrick Henry, then followed by a player in Jeremy Hill, who's not as athletically impressive as AJ Dillon, but might be a good like middle of the road player comp if we're going to look at range of outcomes for AJ Dillon. A couple really nice seasons of fantasy utility where he had a great goal line role, but never really got the reception, uh, the receiving game upside that we would have wanted to see. We've got Toby Gerhart, James Conner. James Conner would be a smash outcome for A.J. Dillon. Royce Freeman, Andre Williams, and Benny Snell. Um, really interesting that Benny Snell shows up there, even though uh, even though we don't have... What, what, where was Benny Snell drafted? He was undrafted? He was like... No, nah, he was like fifth round. Fifth fifth round. Yeah, fifth round. I'm going to have to update the tool here. We're missing a draft pick on Benny Snell. So let's, let's uncheck the exclude non-Power 5 conference players, see if we get any other names. 
I'm doing that right now. Okay, it brings in Bernard Pierce out of Temple. And that is the only other... Oh, and Brian Hill out of Wyoming. Yeah. Okay, so we, we did not adjust draft pick. So again, A.J. Dillon, we see a couple smashes. Derrick Henry, probably the absolute dream outcome for A.J. Dillon. We got a couple uh, you know, lower-level hits that we'd be pumped about getting A.J. Dillon uh, in the, the late first to mid-second of a, a dynasty rookie draft and getting something that amounted to a Jeremy Hill or James Conner level season where he's a, a bona fide starter for for one or two years and yeah. then obviously we have some we have some you know huge misses Sean well Sean Green even Sean Green was a, an RB2 that was usable for a couple seasons yeah. but then Deontay Foreman with times. the torn Achilles you know it's hard to really actually judge what that was Samaj Piran however uh would be a flop uh there uh, as would probably Royce Freeman at this point so a little all over the board with Dylan any any clear takeaways for you there for me, I'm just he's just not really like any of those players. He's kind of like one of those hard to gauge, just freak athletes that uh, doesn't really make sense. Like uh, he shouldn't be able to run that fast at that size. He shouldn't be able to have the balance that he does at that size. Uh, and really, he he took over games at, at a big uh, in a big way in college. Obviously, he he had zero receptions his first season in college. Only had 21 catches in total. So it's kind of hard to project a huge PPR role, but. If he is in a spot where he is the go-to guy, um, I'm confident that he can make those plays. Uh, and really, that's just not how Boston College asked him and asked really their running backs in general uh, within the scale of, of their passing offense to running backs. That's just not what they did. So understanding that, I think, can go a long way when you understand the context of a, of a college system. Uh, so some schools just don't utilize their running backs in that way and uh that doesn't mean that they can't <laughs> uh just doesn't mean that they were asked to so i'm not sure really thing. worried about about dylan sure sure thing and, and even in looking at his sims you know we didn't really find anyone other than james connor that uh was able to earn a type of receiving role in the nfl and i think no. that's really the way to look at it you know we're looking at his top 10 comps only one of those guys ended up being used differently james connor was not used as a receiver in college either his best season was 21 receptions. A.J. Dillon's best season was 13 receptions. Um, but Travis, I've talked about elsewhere, and you and I have talked about this too, just because a player doesn't do it in college doesn't mean he can't do it. And Melvin Gordon is a perfect example, never used in that capacity at, at Wisconsin whatsoever. People basically thought that his receiving ability was a minus, let alone even just being neutral. And he turned into you know a fantastic outlet type uh receiving back in the NFL, not a difference making receiving back, but he became an outlet and yeah. you know, he can, he can rack up the receptions and maybe AJ Dillon does that. I mean, I don't know. So there, there would be a path to even hitting maybe even more than any of the backs uh, that we saw on our list in the absolute like hundredth percentile outcome for AJ Dillon. So absolutely. Um, and even the, the consensus won 1.01 this year and Jonathan Taylor only had 16 receptions coming into his final season. So uh, had he, you know, not actually put together the re receptions from this past season, uh, would we all just assume he was bad now? <laughs> I, I don't think so. So I, I think we we can't discount it completely. Sure, sure. So hey, before we hit a couple other players, real quick, uh, we got to talk to you about Untuck it. Untuck it is our sponsor for the episode today. Uh, have you guys ever wondered why traditional button ups look so long and baggy? 
It's because they're never meant to be worn that way. I mean, uh, they're designed to be tucked in. Um, but very few of us guys actually wear them that way when we're not at work, not at a formal event. Just hanging with your bros uh, or at home or running around town on the weekend. You're not tucking that thing in. So untuck it shirts were specifically designed to be worn that way. Doesn't matter what shape or size you are. Their shirts are going to be the perfect untucked length. There's more than 50 fit combinations. So Untucked Shirt's going to look great on you, whether you're tall, short, slim, or athletic. That's going to be me and me and you, Travis, I think. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> don't just take our word for it, though. Try Untuck It for yourself. Visit untuckit.com. Use the code BLUEWIRE. That's blue wire, all one word. You're going to get 20% off your first order. They're even going to give you free shipping and free returns on all orders in the U.S., that's untuckit.com, U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com, and promo code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. Well, awesome. Well, hey, let's jump into Jalen Hurts, because I know uh, you've been talking about him some lately. Uh, I've seen some more people coming around on Jam- Jalen Hurts here recently. Uh, I, I kind of want to just talk about him, because he's going to be uh, a controversial name throughout this process, especially... You know, he, he's a player that everyone's seen because he's played on Alabama and he's played on Oklahoma and everybody's got an opinion on uh, what they think about Jalen Hurts and, oh, he can't throw. Oh, you know, he's not even that fast. You know, he's not Lamar Jackson. He can't do this. He can't do that. But, I mean, what happens if he starts on an NFL team? I mean, yeah, for, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what we got. That's what we got to talk about. Right? Yeah, we yeah. we got to talk about the hits for these quarterbacks. And if all the quarterbacks hit, Jalen Hurts is the QB1 in the class, if they all hit. Because nobody gives you the combination of adequate passing ability and otherworldly Konami code production. Uh, Nobody gives you what Jalen Hurts can give you. And what I've really been coming to appreciate, Travis, is even though he had a little bit of a a rocky college career, he started at Alabama as an 18-year-old and gave us what Joe Burrow gave us as a redshirt junior at LSU. Plus he plus he dumped all the rushing production on top. So you got to you got to think in context. So, you know, it it would be inappropriate to look at Jalen Hurts as a late bloomer uh who did nothing until this final season in Oklahoma. Sure, Absolutely. it was by far his most impressive season. He gave us almost 1300 rushing yards, over 50 total touchdowns. Uh, when you combine the passing and the rushing. But he was a producer as a true freshman um, and, and as a true sophomore. You know, he backslid that second year, obviously ends up transferring. He's competing in a direct competition with Tua Tagovailoa, and, and he loses out. Alabama chooses the other guy. But Tua's a consensus top five guy in the NFL draft. It's not really an indictment in your profile to get beat out uh, by a razor's edge by a guy like that. You know, we, we're not holding that against Joe Burrow because he got uh, beat out by Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State. And Dwayne Haskins was a great college quarterback. And, and Burrow just couldn't usurp him. And so, so Jalen Hurts, I mean, and Superflex, you guys, if you have early drafts, you got to be pulling the trigger early. Um, missing on Jalen Hurts in the second round because you're stubborn and, you know, you really wanted to wait until the third. If he hits, you will never forgive yourself. You'll never forgive yourself. You will forgive yourself for missing on A.J. Dillon, even in the second round of a super flex draft. You can find that running back production elsewhere. You can buy that. It will be available to you every season that you ever play. 
but a Jalen Hurts hit at quarterback will never be available to you in trade. You will never go back and be able to get him if he hits. And that's the type of player we want to take in our rookie drafts. Absolutely. And if you look at, uh, you know, just uh, the, the, I mean, we've been talking about the box score scout a lot. And really, we've broken this down before. I mean, if, if he gets anywhere, you know, the draft capital going day two even, and there's some people that think he could sneak into the back end of day one. Uh, if he gets anywhere near that, uh, let's say he goes middle of day two even, uh, you're looking at a situation where his comps are looking closer to Russell Wilson than they are uh, anything else. So uh, he's definitely got plenty going for him in, in the profile department. So if you miss out on the the rushing ability uh, and the, the Konami code there uh, that comes with Jalen Hurts, I think we're going to be just disappointed. So even in one quarterback leagues, I'm I'm taking a chance on him later. But especially in Superflex, don't don't wait if, if you're worried about somebody kind of sneaking in and, and taking him from you in, in round two for sure. I think a lot of people are going to be sad they missed out. Uh, because once he starts, he's, he's he's starting in fantasy lineups, no matter when that is or where that is, <laughs> just because of the potential upside. Uh, but uh, let's jump over back to wide receivers, because uh, T. Higgins just had a pro day. And obviously, we, we take pro day numbers with a little bit of a grain of salt. He ran, I think it was a, a, the official numbers were around 4.56-ish. Uh, the early releases were like, oh, he ran a 4.43. No, it was probably mid 4.5, somewhere in there. Uh, that's basically what it's agreed upon. And if we add maybe 0.05 or 0.1, whatever you want to to adjust for the pro day time, he looks like he's more like a 4.6 guy. Uh, and then his uh, broad jump and, and vertical jump, his vert was kind of bad, his broad was kind of good, but what does that mean? Did we learn anything uh, for you when we look at T. Higgins and his pro day, or did he just pretty much profile like we thought he was going to anyway? It's it's just hard for me to actually give, give him really any credit. Um I don't think that we ever expected him to be uh, an Uber athlete in the vein of Chase Claypool or anything like that because he gave us he gave us the moments in film. He gave us the production that we would want and the breakout that we would want. So we were just looking for him to not flop athletically. Yeah. Um yeah. And, and I think he's proven that he's, you know, he's a decent athlete. Um one thing that we can do because the combine information obviously, is, you know, there is no combine information on T Higgins. We actually can uh, we actually can adjust an enter a 40 as well as a uh, customized draft pick for T Higgins and still get a great output in group of Sims from the road of his box score scout. Um, so what, what do you actually want to use for his 40? Like how, what's, what's the I'd number say, you would adjust for? I'd say like four, six. I mean, that, that puts him in the range of like, you know, around just just a hair slower than you know Michael Thomas, which is four five seven, <laughs> you know, and that's that's basically what it looks like. He runs four four five six at his pro day, so let's just say four six. And and what do we want for for you know uh, his draft pick? We want late first here. Let's just say pick forty, just because 40. just in case he kind of leaks okay. out of the first, just due to the depth of the class and the risers that have been yeah. kind of uh, sneaking up the boards here here recently. So, so I mean, you guys are going to love this list. The, uh, there's this accomplished, even with the 4640 here. By the time we put in, you know, the weight, that 216-pound weight, uh, very huge for a receiver. We like these heavy guys. Even if he's a little taller, BMI is not maybe where some of our short, thick guys that we like are. Uh, but still, you know, he's heavy enough. And, and when, you, when you pair it with his production profile, T. Higgins has some great comps. So his number one comp, and, and it's absolutely drool-worthy, 
is Michael Thomas. You, you mentioned Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is his number one comp. We get Cody Latimer, Laquan Treadwell, so two huge flops. But then we get Juju Smith-Schuster, Malcolm Kelly, Robert Woods, James Washington, Brandon LaFell, Jarvis Landry, A.J. Brown. I mean, that is a mm. top 10 Ooh. list that is hot. So nice. let, let's do this as we wrap up Higgins. Given what we know about his profile now, his athleticism from his pro day, given that sim list, that comps list from the root of his prospect box score scout, Higgins or Denzel Mims for you? I think it's still Higgins. I think uh, I really do believe Higgins is going to edge Mims out on the draft capital. Um, I think it's uh, it's going to be really going to come down to the landing spot between those two because they are pro- probably pretty close to each other for me. Uh, but Tiggins would probably be at the top of the tier that Denzel Mims has just kind of snuck into. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree. Uh, we see plenty of receivers who run in that four six range uh, be successful at the next level. Um, no one has ever confused T Higgins for a burner. Um, I think a miss on T Higgins probably still looks something like good Mike Williams. Yeah, um, yeah, and and so. Yeah, yeah, it's it's bad that we even have to qualify that. But good, Mike Williams. <laughs> that would be the Mike Williams that is still, you know, a, a reasonably. There's been like six of them, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, there has been. So uh, Mike Williams, who currently plays for the Los Angeles Chargers, is the Mike Williams I'm referring to. There we go. <laughs> um, so yeah, so T Higgins, I think, definitely still belongs above Denzel Mims. Uh, they're probably closer than they they were, you know, pre combine information. Um, probably still the same tier, dare I even say. But I think Higgins certainly belongs near the top of that tier after our big three of uh, of C.D. Lamb, Jalen Rager, and and Jerry Judy at the wide receiver position. Certainly. And, you know, I I think before we wrap up here, I just want to kind of sneak in a little something uh, for Justin Jefferson because I think he's going to be controversial once people realize uh, that a lot of people are kind of putting him up in the top three and four wide receiver conversation. Uh, and I think that there's plenty of evidence to suggest that that totally makes sense. Uh, if he sees top 50 draft capital, he's somebody that uh, not only profiles really well with a bunch of good Sims. I mean, even like his top uh, Sim with the road of his box score scout, uh, you know, giving him like top 50 capital uh, looks like Robert Woods. And obviously he kind of started off slow at Buffalo, but uh, he, he was excellent last year. Other guys that are uh, comp to, Justin Jefferson, we're looking at uh, Chris Godwin, Brandon Cooks, uh, several other names that are looking like good hits uh, as far as uh, potential uh, potential guys to kind of project him to. And when I look at his adjusted production in- index, I mean, he's got like he's 64th percentile, which sneaks in, which is good enough. And it's actually really close to Michael Crabtree. It's also really close to Michael Thomas. Uh, so there's there's some players that he profiles similarly to uh, when we look at his uh, dominator adjusted yards per team pass attempt and touchdowns per team pass attempt that I'm really uh, excited about when I when I talk about Justin Jefferson and uh, since he answered a bunch of the athleticism questions I'm no longer really concerned there uh, I mean out of high school his his 40 was absolutely dreadful but he answered his speed questions uh, he's going to profile as as the perfect modern slot wide receiver so. If you don't have Justin Jefferson as a top three or four wide receiver and top five wide receiver, just from a, a projection and expectation of a future NFL production standpoint, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, he's probably going to get the capital you want to see. He's got uh, all the production index uh, that, that you want to see. 
uh, and he's probably athletic enough now to answer any questions we might have had. So Justin Jefferson, another guy who's probably going to be controversial for some, once more ranks come out near the draft and people are like, why, are, why, whoa, 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 why is Justin Jefferson in top three now? Uh, there's, there are plenty of reasons for that. Uh, and really, there's almost no questions when it comes to his profile. He's been the guy uh, outside of Jamar Chase uh, for LSU uh, for two years now. So like his profile, like everything about Justin Jefferson, hope to see him land somewhere fun. But before we do wrap up, I just want to, I haven't done this in a bit. And so the Debbie player of the week, uh, this is a shout out to a couple uh, people who've been bar- bothering me about not talking about this player. The Debbie player of the week is Journey Brown for Penn State. Uh, so for the spring testing, Journey Brown ran a 4.29, which is uh, actually faster uh, than uh, Saquon Barkley's 40. I- I'm not sure he's going to run that when it gets to the combine, but but Journey Brown uh, did run that at Penn State in the spring testing. Uh, he's a little bit lighter, so it's a little bit less impressive. But he's about 5'11", 210 pounds-ish. Uh, and he really finished strong down the stretch last fall. Uh, I, I thought that it was going to be, uh, you know, a, a, really a Ricky, Ricky Slade or perhaps Noah Kane being the guy that we were excited about coming out of this past season. But it turns out that it's actually Journey Brown. He finished super strong in the past in the last five games he played he had four 100-yard games. So if he doesn't get committed this coming fall by Penn State and, and Noah Kane doesn't emerge uh, as a you know 1A in that, that uh, committee situation and Brown really features for Penn State, he is going to be somebody who's going to climb up draft boards pretty quickly. He's already doing so in a lot of uh, Debbie leagues. and a lot. I'm getting a lot of questions on a player like him because he doesn't have the longest resume. But uh, you want to grab these players uh, before they go off uh, in nerdy Debbie leagues where you can <laughs> uh, roster your college players before they're on NFL teams. So keep an eye on Journey, Journey Brown and his stock because he's going to be flying up rankings uh, all throughout this, this really spring and summer, throughout spring practices. And probably even in college fantasy football leagues is going to be a, a huge rise or a huge asset there. But uh, be looking forward to the next edition of the Dynasty Command Center and Rotobiz Rookie Guide. Uh, we are just putting the finishing touches on that. That should be out here soon. Hope you guys enjoyed the first edition. We're going to have all we had in that first guide and more, including some uh, looks at uh, individual defensive players and some other fun, uh, unique content uh, there. So look for that here soon. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. If you have any questions whatsoever on any of these players. And of course you can find Curtis um, at C Patrick NFL. But until next time, keep living that dynasty life.